This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham. And we welcome you back in. Roddy Jones on the program today on this Thursday. Busily preparing for his baseball regional. He and Mike Cousins will have the Louisville quad, if you will, taken care of for you. We'll talk about that here, I'm sure, in just a moment. Uh, we're going to get Roddy's uh, fans guide to the regionals if you really want to know the truth. We're going to, how are you going to do this? You're going to cobble together like three or four regionals people need to keep an eye on. Is that what we're looking for here in this, uh, in oh, the next couple minutes, I think? Yeah, of course. And, and look, I'm going to be honest with you. Spoiler alert, people. The one that's going to lead off is my regional. So, if, you know, if you wanted a, a fans guide to the Louisville regional, you're going to get it in just a second. <laughs> Shameless, shameless, just overt plug for your work. No shame in my game. All right. Let me give you a couple things here, though, to work through. When you hear Roddy's recommendations of regionals, since 1999, when the college baseball field uh, expanded to 64 teams, uh, 67% of the regionals have been won by the host, who then advanced to the super regionals where 71% of the time the Super Regional host advanced to the College World Series. Roddy, I'm going to bring this up to you specifically because last year you had the Louisiana Tech Regional where NC State won that regional as the two seed. They then went to Arkansas and beat a national top eight seed. So NC State beat the odds twice last year. So how much of that factors into what you're getting ready to tell us about ones you think that'll be the most interesting to follow? I think it certainly does factor in um, for for every regional. And you really want to look at what team is playing the best, I think. And some of it, a lot of it has to do with talent. A lot of it has to do with history. You know, with a team like Louisville going two and out in the ACC tournament, does that worry you? With them going in and hosting a regional, not really, because they've done it. Time, they've done it before and made trips to Omaha mm-hmm. uh, after uh, after after being bumped in the ACC tournament after only a couple of games. But NC State was playing as well as anybody in the country. And and the other thing is they stayed in the winners bracket, which is kind of what NC State needed to do last year based on the arms that they had. I mean, they used really five pitchers uh, throughout that run last year, all the way knocking on the door. Of, of the national championship before COVID got them. So, uh, w- yeah, you absolutely look into it. Home field advantage definitely helps. And in talking to coaches last week in Charlotte, they were well aware of what home field would mean, um, particularly when you talk about some of those who were on the bubble, maybe one of those who didn't necessarily get a hosting bid. Mm. Uh, I'm talking about Notre Dame. Lynch Jarrett, very aware, having had to go to Starkville in Mississippi State last year for a Super Regional, very aware of what that meant. And what it could mean to his team. So I think it de- both of those things definitely play a factor. All right, let's get into uh, the regional you're going to call the one in Louisville because the Cards have been dominant at home. Yeah, they, they absolutely have, and this is a it's a fun regional because it's an incredibly offensive regional. I mean, you're talking about Louisville, who's got one of the best offenses in the entire country. Not only are they powerful with Dalton rushing, leading them in home runs, but they also steal a ton of bases. It's a movement offense. They're athletic. They're really uh, exciting to watch. 
They're excellent defensively. We'll see what what Christian Napchik, their starting shortstop status is. Uh, but they've got some mm-hmm. arms too. Jared Poland uh, at the big, at the at, at, from the starter spot, and then Michael Persecki at the end. Um, the the question for Louisville is going to be those guys in the middle. Can they cobble it together? Uh, but Oregon is basically like Louisville West. It's a it's a very similar build to their uh, to their lineup. Big, athletic, powerful. They hit the most home runs in school history this year. Michigan is a team that's playing with a lot of confidence, having won the Big Twelve uh, Big Ten tournament. Um, and needed to to get to to get a win in that Rutgers series the last week of the season, even to qualify for the Big Ten tournament. They end up winning it. They're kind of doing this weird thing where they're you know they, they don't have set pitching roles. They're going to throw whoever at any time. They threw all three starters on Friday night against Rutgers to get that win to secure their spot. And then you got Simo, who is another really good offense. That just won their conference as well. So uh, so it's a really fun offensive regional. If you look at the pitching numbers, if you're a pitching fan, you might want to avert your eyes because the pitching numbers aren't quite there, but it should be a lot of fun offensively. Louisville, is, as we mentioned earlier, dominant at home this year. They're 91-24 and 24 on their home field the last four years. So uh, they got yeah. the numbers to back it up for sure at Jim Patterson Stadium. Uh, okay. I, I told you guys during a break, I'm a fan of the Coral Gables regional for a lot of reasons. One, they just released the milkshake flavors for the event. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of what they've done with Ole Miss, but the field itself, anytime you see Ole Miss, Arizona in a two, three Roddy tomorrow night at seven o'clock, boy, you know, Roy Philpott and his crew got there. They got their money's worth down there. Don't they? They absolutely do. And, and if you're talking about top end talent, this regional, outside of probably Knoxville, this regional has as much as anybody. For Miami, Yoandi Morales. For Ole Miss, Jacob Gonzalez, their shortstop. Both of those guys are likely first-round picks next year. For Arizona, Daniel Susak, their, their outstanding catcher, has been projected in the top 10, uh, certainly a top 15 pick this year. Um, that one, Miami to me is the favorite there, although Ole Miss was number one in the country at the beginning of the season. Arizona's flirted with the top 10 as well. So it's going to be a fun regional. Miami's certainly the most complete team. They check the most boxes, but top end talent wise, that Coral Gables regional is going to be a lot of fun. Roddy, what does Miami have to do to not have, I mean, look, not that they played bad in Charlotte, but they weren't in the semifinals. They were a favorite going in. Uh, I feel a little bit about uh, Gino Damari's team the way I feel about where Louisville is with Dan McDonald. It didn't go well in Charlotte, but it doesn't alter my prospects of them this week. I I agree with you, Wes. Look, it's a really balanced team. And when you have a guy like Mm -hmm. Carson Palmquist, and, and we'll see when they throw him. Do they throw him on Friday? Do they try and save him for Saturday? That's one of the big questions for especially these host teams. When do you throw your ace? But when you have a guy like Carson Palmquist, uh, I think, and especially coming off of an appearance like he had in the ACC championship, uh, this, that's a guy that's going to come back and really respond. They've got really quality starters. That lineup is pretty balanced. They're, they're not known as an offensive team, but they're the highest scoring team in this regional. I think they just get overshadowed by a lot of the great offenses in the ACC. So I'm not super worried about Miami. I think this is a team that is extremely talented. You know, being in this position is in the DNA of that program. So I'm not overly worried. Although Arizona and Ole Miss especially, 
top end talent wise, they have they've been some of the best teams in the country and are some of the best in the country. So you just hope you don't run into Ole Miss on a weekend where they decide to play really well. You just hope that you don't run into to Arizona on a weekend where they decide to play really well. Don't forget Brian O'Connor coming up here, bottom of the hour from Virginia, 9 o'clock, Danny Hall of Georgia Tech, Link Jarrett of Notre Dame uh, will join us. We mentioned this briefly at the top. It's worth revisiting again here in this segment. Uh, Clemson has made a baseball change with their head coaching position. Monty Lee, after seven seasons, uh, has been let go. And, of course, in 2016, uh, they won the ACC championship. He went 242 and 136 in his campaign. Uh, they went to the tournament every year from 16 to 19. But, Roddy, obviously there was no tournament in 20, and they missed last year. So uh, after missing again this year, Graham Neff elects to make a change. Uh, just the third time Clemson missed making the tournament in the last 36 years. Um, this is not a good baseball job. This is a great baseball job. It's got terrific facilities. You know that. What are we hearing? There is plenty of speculation. Graham Neff called it a top 15 <laughs> job. Um, so he put a bar out there in terms of the kind of pe- person he thinks uh, he can land to lead the baseball program here. What, it, it is absolutely a top 15 job in the country. It, it, it's probably knocking on the door of a top 10 job in the country. When you talk about resources, when you talk about facilities, mm. when you talk about proximity to talent in the Southeast, I mean, Clemson's got all of those boxes checked. Uh, and it sounds like Graham Neff and this Clemson Athletic Department is going to invest from a monetary standpoint in in the salary of the head coach as, as one of the tops in the country, which is going to open up doors that may not have otherwise been. So if you're going to watch regionals, you know, guys whose names are going to be mentioned for the job. We're, we're going to talk to Link Jarrett later. You can't get around the fact that he is going to be linked to that job, having been at Florida State. Um, previously, and, and and also just the job that he has done at Notre Dame. Anytime you have a coach in the North with that kind of success and a, and a job right. like Clemson opens up, he's going to be rumored for it. The other uh, two other names that I've seen thrown out that are actually in my regional, Eric Backich at, uh, at Michigan, who was the national coach of the year in 2019, national runner-up before losing to Vanderbilt um, in that season – done an excellent job at Michigan, has turned them into a perennial or has continued their their uh, their tradition as a baseball power there in the north. He's got ties to Clemson, coached there under Jack Leggett before going over to Vanderbilt under Tim Corbin. So that's going to be one. And then mm-hmm. the other one, Justin Hare at Campbell, plays a really exciting brand of baseball. Campbell's a powerful baseball team that runs. They've got some excellent pitching. So I've got two first-round picks on that team. At Campbell is an excellent developer of talent and recruiter. Not real strong ties to the Palmetto State, but he's been at Campbell and Bowie's Creek for uh, for a number of years, so very close, and obviously knows that area. So, uh, as you look across the country, there's going to be a lot of guys rooming for the job. Those three, um, particularly the last two I mentioned, are really interesting, just as I've gotten to know them a little bit. Um, but whoever they get is going to be really, really good. There are two fascinating names with ties back to Clemson, and seemingly there's a road that gets paved that has a Clemson tie in just about all these candidates. Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida is one, obviously because the Gators have had incredible success, right? We know that, you know, uh, won the College World Series in 2017. Uh, He's got Clemson ties. And then there is this one that hangs out there a little bit for me, and that is Matthew LaCroix, who was a great catcher. Not a good catcher. He was a great catcher at Clemson. 
in his playing days and had a big league career. Um, he played eight years in the bigs, and he's now the manager of the AAA Rochester Red Wings. Now, I don't know what Matthew LaCroix's path is to the bigs as a manager, but you know what they say when mama calls sometimes, you got to get home. Um, that would be, in, in a lot of ways, Roddy, that would be a hire that I think would take Clemson into so many different avenues and portals because you then have a terrific college player, All-America player, big leaguer, who's now had minor league managing experience, come back coaching in the college game, and where does every college baseball player want to go? The bigs, right? I mean, that all of a sudden, that pathway is there. But you bring up some interesting coaches. I find LaCroix, though, to be fascinating, just from a standpoint of what he's doing now and what his path is from Clemson. Yeah, anytime you get those guys with, with big league experience and then minor league experience, too, having been in those organizations, uh, it is always fascinating. Whoever it is, uh, they are going to be incredibly well-resourced. They're obviously going to have a great resume. Um, But Clemson is serious about baseball. And when you're looking at baseball now, I mean, the the top coaches in the country are making somewhere million to a million five. Um, So Mm -hmm. that investment is not an insignificant one. And I would expect Graham Neff and Clemson – um, to 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 spare no expense in drawing the person they want. And and look, if Kevin O'Sullivan's even on the list, you're going to have to because he's one of those highest paid guys. Um, but, right. the, I mean, whoever gets that job is inheriting a, a fantastic job that is ready to win now. All right. Sit tight when we continue. Back to kind of the topic of the day. The most random place you've seen your favorite ACC head coach or star Crimmins in the Indianapolis airport, by the way, is a bit of a push, but it's a good one. When we come back, there's some other priceless ones. We'll get to them next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham. <clears throat> Roddy Jones is here, kids, on a uh, Thursday before his weekend of baseball begins tomorrow with Mike Cousins. They'll have the Louisville Regional for you. I was kind of sorting through some of this. You guys have um, you guys got Louisville and SEMO and then Michigan and yep. Oregon. Now, am I right? Louisville and, and Louisville and SEMO are going to play tomorrow night, or is that the afternoon game? I believe that is the night game. I don't know, uh, to be honest with you. I haven't looked at the schedule. I just know the teams – and uh, so the schedule in terms of when they play, I'm not exactly sure. But it is interesting. Louisville and Michigan have actually played this year. That was the snowstorm yeah. game, Wes. I'm not sure if you remember. Louisville took two of three uh, against Michigan uh, at home. In one of those games yeah. was a snowstorm game. Um, so it's Michigan's right. return with uh, better weather this time. There you go. Um so Louisville, by the way, plays the early game, Roddy. Just so you know, Louisville plays at two o'clock. There you go. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I want you to lock Thank in a little you. bit I'm on your. Uh, I mean, don't I, hey, look. Don't be don't be bringing this don't be bringing this slow play deal to the fall games. Okay, we we're going to be locked in in the fall now. We're yes. not going. We'll know the teams. We need to know what time <laughs> the games are. You you've done games with me long enough to know that I don't really find out what time the game is until either the night before or the morning of. Let's be honest. I, I mean, I often don't, I know the teams that are playing. We can talk about the game all day long. Game time, I don't know. 
Like, I'm on a need-to-know basis. All right. Though. All right. Uh, Roddy, who has uh, participated in our topic today, name the most random place you've ever seen the head coach or star of your favorite ACC team. Roddy qualified Marvin Williams at a Waffle House or Calvin Johnson at a Waffle House. And then we're still looking to confirm the rumor of Paul Johnson at a Drake concert. We are we are going to – is there Tyler Melton or Jason Peters or somebody who can confirm the Paul Johnson at the Drake concert for us today, by the way? Uh, I – I will. I will see. I'm going to reach out to a couple of people and see if they can confirm. I don't know if either those two guys are in California, so they're asleep right now. I'm guessing. So I, I'm out. not going to get confirmation reach with out. them for a couple hours. <laughs> reach out to confirm that Paul Johnson went to the Drake concert. Okay, let's go to some of the offers we've had on social media. Now, one of these you should have gotten a picture, Jonathan Talbot. You should have gotten a picture. Because he picked up Dean Smith and Coach K and gave them a golf cart ride to dinner at Gully Fields in Myrtle Beach. Now, this was back when the ACC spring meetings used to be on the Grand Strand, not at the fabulous Ritz-Carlton at Amelia Island. But to take Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski in a golf cart to Gully Fields, that, that, Jonathan, so far is our winner. Just saying. I agree with you, though, Wes. It's one of those tall tales that in today's day and age, I got to have photo evidence to prove it. I mean, that is uh, – what are the odds that, that, that you're the one that's called to, to take uh, Coach K and Dean Smith anywhere on a golf cart? That's uh, pretty awesome. Also a sight that I would have loved to see those two men on a golf cart together. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right. Uh, Justin Ulmer is next. Uh, Justin sent us this, ran into Dabo at a CVS and Clemson shopping for Mother's Day cards. Really put him on a relatable level. Is that, uh, that was also the reason I was at the CVS. Dabo is relatable if nothing else. Yeah, yes, he is. And, and look, I can appreciate any coach that goes out and buys his own Mother's Day cards. I can appreciate that. You're not sending somebody else to go do it. You're not ordering them online. And getting them there, no, there's something about the experience. I, I'm, I'm guessing this was the night before Mother's Day. It's just a guess based on when I shop for Mother's Day cards. But I'm, you, there's nothing like the experience of sitting there at the CVS, reading each Mother's Day card, looking at the guy next to you and saying, hey, do you want to read this one? It might work for you. I hope that's the exchange that went on. Dabo then recommending Mother's Day cards uh, for Justin. All right. Uh, next up is Don Wingate. Don met the late Bill Guthridge. Oh, no, hang on. This is David Leftwich. I'm sorry. David Leftwich. Frank Beamer joined me in the Gainesville Ale House in the 90s to watch a Hokies basketball game. <laughs> I called a technical wow. foul on Bruce in a summer intramural championship game. Now, this must be Virginia Tech related. Bruce Smith, I'm guessing, yeah. is Bruce. Um, well, that's that. you live to tell about that. Congratulations. Um, no way I'm calling a foul that's on that pretty dude. Good. No way. No. No way I'm calling a foul on Bruce Smith. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Frank Frank Beamer, by the way, is um, <laughs> Frank Beamer's been noted a couple different times. Frank Beamer very relatable, like Dabo, according to the folks at social media. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next oh, yeah. one here. Thank you, David. Appreciate that. Let's see what our next one is because 
Oh, Don Wingate, who met Bill Guthridge at his brother's wedding in June of 96 at the Carolina Inn. And Don said, I wanted to make sure to remind him Tim Duncan was coming back to the Deeks for his senior year. Well, I'm sure Coach Guthridge is already aware of that, Don, but nice of you to make sure that, that Bill remembered. I mean, <laughs> just, like, just, make, just make sure he's on top of it, Don. Way to keep him honest. That's it. Yeah. Uh, is Kara Jones next? Yes. She saw David Thompson at the top of Mount Mitchell and then a few years later saw him at California Dreaming in Greenville, South Carolina. California Dreaming's right there near uh, Chop House 22 right off the Pelham Road exit on I-85. Um, there you go. Roddy, we know the Pelham, the Pelham Road exit, well-known exit in ACC lore, by the way. That's where the Marriott is for everybody who ever plays at Clemson. <laughs> um, yep. David Thompson, David Thompson gets around, Roddy. David Thompson, very popular on these things. And look, he's like I said, celebrities are, are just like us. And David Thompson apparently loves California Dreaming. What, what was the other one? It was like Lowe's, right? Yeah, it was at the Lowe's. Lowe's. So, Lowe's. I mean, he's, yeah, went to just Lowe's. Like a, just like us, man. Just like us. David Thompson at the top of Mount Mitchell. My question is, did he walk up or jump up on top of the top of Mount Mitchell? Hundred percent jump. My question. Definitely jump. Yeah, no question. He jumped. All right. Uh, let's see. Couple more of these. Who's next? Is Logan Freeman next on this? Let me see. It is Logan Freeman. Carl Tacy, gentleman Carl Tacy, who by the way just passed away about a year ago or less. Gentleman Carl Tacy. Logan Freeman saw him at a Ray Charles concert in Wilkesboro around 1985. There you go. Carl had. Uh, There's a lot to unpack. Carl by 85. A lot to unpack. Yeah. It's a Wake Forest coach in the 70s. Um, left around the early 80s, I believe. And then Bob Stack took over, I believe, when Coach Tacey retired. And so Carl Tacey, there you go. That's a good one. Ray Charles in North Wilkesboro around a- 1985. That's a very good one. Honestly, Wes, it, it kind of feels like a story that you would tell me during football season that you saw Ray Charles around that time, around that area. I feel like that was that's something that might have come out from time to time. I know you big concert goer back in the day. So uh, that, that's one, this one feels right up your alley. Okay, yeah. Uh, Hillsville Hokie says, uh, saw Frank Beamer at Applebee's and Galax. Absolutely. There's no doubt. That place. Yep. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I, would, I would honestly yeah. would expect to, anytime I walked into an Applebee's around where Frank Beamer would be, I feel like if he's not there, it's a little disappointing. I mean, Frank Beamer, incredibly relatable. Yeah. And from Hillsville. So Galax's not that far. Makes yep. all the sense in the world. Um, all right. Let's do, we got two more left here. Um, in Capo We Trust, we saw Pat Narduzzi at Buffalo Wild Wings. He was getting his to-go order and started talking to us when he saw my son's Pitts jersey. That's exactly right. There's no doubt. Yes. 100%. Pat Narduzzi yeah. is every Look, man, Roddy. <laughs> Pat Narduzzi, that program, I mean, he, it embodies him. He's a Buffalo Wild Wings kind of guy, to be honest with you. like I would yep. expect, I'd expect yep. Pat Narduzzi to go crush some wings with you at Buffalo Wild Wings, 100%. All 
All right. Until Jonathan Talbot's uh, golf cart ride with Dean Smith and Mike Krzyzewski came in, uh, David Francis was going to be our winner. Tim Duncan at the Harris Teeter on New Year's Eve grabbing a gallon of juice. That was it. I don't even... I don't even know what to do with this one. It's New Year's Eve. Um, what kind of juice? Like, what kind of juice is Tim Duncan? Is it, what kind of juice guy is Tim Duncan? I don't know. I got a, I got a lot of questions. Uh, you know, Drew Brooks is chiming in, in in our ears saying it's definitely apple juice. I don't know. I see Tim Duncan as more of a grapefruit juice kind of guy. Pineapple juice, maybe, being from the island. So, I don't know. Tomato juice? No, 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 no. Unless he's going Bloody Mary the next morning. But no, no, not tomato juice. Ugh. Tim, Tim Duncan's more elevated than that. All right. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for the stuff you sent in, including the pictures. Those were fabulous. Again, random places you've seen your favorite ACC head coach or star. Uh, when we come back, Virginia baseball coach Brian O'Connor joins us next. Cavaliers headed to Eastern North Carolina. In fact, they're going to see the Pirates as the two seed. They'll see Coastal Carolina in the first round. We'll talk to Coach O about the trip to Greenville next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Brian O'Connor is with us live from Greenville. North Carolina. Uh, Virginia is the two seed in the uh, Greenville Regional. Cavaliers will see Coastal Carolina, the three seed. East Carolina, Coppin State round out the four schools. Uh, Good to see you, first of all. Thanks for the time. Um, This never gets old, does it? Tell me this doesn't – this never gets old, right? This part of the process, getting to the postseason? The players that come to the – ACC programs and come to a place like Virginia, this is what they work towards. They, they want an opportunity to, to compete for the chance to go to Omaha and fight for a national championship. So this is the first step, as you guys know. You know, you put together what you do in the entire regular season and every game and every workout to potentially, hopefully, have this opportunity to start this two-week journey to Omaha. So um, our guys are excited. I can tell you personally, I never get tired of it. You know, um, there's mm-hmm. nothing like playing or coaching in, in Omaha, Nebraska, and, and uh, this will start our journey here in Greenville tomorrow. I want to I want to ask you this Coach. question. I posed the same question to Scott Forbes here on uh, on Monday. What is the transition like from last week to this week, though, Brian? What 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 is, is there a difference? The, I mean, I know pool play to double elimination is one thing, but is there a different mindset when you get to this particular piece of the season? There is. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, last week, the ACC tournament, everybody wants to win an ACC championship, right? Um, you know, we've, we've had a few here, and it's something that's a, that's a goal of ours. Uh, that said, in a lot of cases, in most cases of the teams in our league, because they're going to get in that large bid, there's not finality to the season, right? Um, mm-hmm. For instance, in our case, we knew going into the ACC tournament that we'd be playing this weekend based on what we did all year. Obviously, there's some schools that um, were very, very disappointed, but 
um, this starting this weekend, it's it, it's different, right? You know, you lose twice, your season's over. You advance out of this, you get an opportunity to win another series next weekend to go to Omaha. So, uh, you know, we all desire and love to win ACC championships, and that's important. But I'll tell you, you know, um, this is a heck of a field we've got this weekend in Greenville, Coastal, and Coppin, and, and obviously the host ECU. But I'll tell you, that ACC tournament, you guys, you know, you watched it and you see it every year. The depth, the the quality of teams, what it takes to win that championship. I took my cap to North Carolina for navigating their way through that to win that championship. That's an incredibly hard thing to do uh, just because the depth of the league, the depth of the league this year, guys, you saw it all all spring long was amazing. You know, anybody could win any series in our league. Yeah. Coach, you've got an interesting uh, group with you. I mean, you got uh, obviously the experience of last season and some guys still on that team uh, are, are on this team. I'm talking about Devin Ortiz, Kyle Teal, Jake Gellop, but you've also counted on a lot of really young players, Alex Tappen, Casey Saki, Ethan Anderson. And, and so th- that, that difference in age and experience, how, how do you talk to those younger guys about what they're about to go into there in Greenville? Well, those are, those are great points. Um, certainly, those veteran players that have that have been through this can, you know, that's 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 leadership. They can shed some light for those younger guys on how they're feeling and what it takes to navigate this uh, this NCAA regional. And certainly, those some of those guys you mentioned did that last year and had some great experience experiences. But there is a lot of youth on this team, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of transfers, uh, grad transfers through the transfer portal that have never had this experience either. So it's incumbent upon those guys that have had those experiences to share it with them and, and also our staff to, to slow it down for them, not to make the moment too big, right? And just go out there and, and play like you have all year. And if you execute and get the big hit or make the clutch pitch, you'll have an opportunity to advance on. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a great learning experience for those players and it's a great opportunity for those vets to share, share it with those younger guys. All right. So the scouting process for this event, I know is unique. Uh, you're certainly concerned about coastal because that's your first opponent, but how do you build your folder a little bit on East Carolina cop and state? How does, how do you kind of work through that process in, in short time here? Well, certainly all, all of our staff members all week long have been first and foremost focusing our attention on Coastal. They've got an excellent team, one of the great story yeah. uh, baseball programs, and obviously won a title in 2016. But what we do is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at each school in preparation because what happens is, you know, in a lot of cases you have less than 24 hours. It's like, you know, it's like the basketball tournament, right? You have less than 24 hours to play that next opponent. So, uh, there's got to be some prep work going on uh, behind the scenes, and that's been happening all week. Not knowing who your opponent can be can be on Saturday. That said, you know we'll push our chips to the middle and focus on Coastal on Friday. I always find the way you manage a pitching staff in a regional like this fascinating. How do you talk to those guys about being ready and and kind of what the weekend will look like with the number of games that you could play? Well, Rowdy, that's a great point. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, I think I think the management of a pitching staff is crucial. Fortunately, we've we've played in these regionals a lot and have had a lot of experience of it going really well. 
and not so well, right? And you, those are all lessons and learns that we can take to, uh, you know, to focus on this particular team, what it's going to take. So, you know, it's all hands on deck. You don't know what situation you're going to be in. Last year, we had to play five games in order to advance out of this, and it took everybody on our pitching staff uh, to, to get it done for us. So, you know, chances are most everybody's going to get an opportunity to step on that mound and, and help our team advance. So, you know, those are all the experiences they had throughout the year, and you got to try to match up with teams to give yourself a best chance to, uh, to, to win this thing. And, you know, it's not – yeah, you focus on the one game in front of you, but you also have to have the big picture in mind of what it takes to win the whole thing. You know, they're, they're only going to remember you if you win the entire weekend. Nobody's going to remember, hey, you won two games and didn't finish it off. It's either you advance out of it or you don't. Uh, you mentioned last year, and I'm glad you did because – uh, you kind of had a little flair for the dramatic last year there, Brian. I mean, you guys kind of knew how to keep everybody <laughs> locked in late. I mean, I'm sure you'd like to take a different path with this, but somewhere that helps, I'm guessing. It does. You know, um, having the history that we've had in this tournament, again, you can go back and reflect and get an understanding yeah. of how, that over the years, how you've had to navigate through it. So, um you know, it, it was a dramatic one last year for sure. And uh, fortunately, we, you know, we figured it out after losing that first game. We did it the really, really hard way of losing <laughs> the mission and uh, then figuring it out to, uh, to win the whole thing. Hmm. All right, Coach. So I, I'm going to give you an opportunity to brag on one of your guys for just a second. Uh, Jake Geloff has been fantastic this year. I think he was on the short list for player of the year in the conference. Um, just what is, uh, wh where have you seen the most growth from him? And what has he meant to this team this season with the, the numbers and the production that he has put up consistently? Well, he's had, a, he's had a terrific year. When you have over 70 RBIs playing in this league and just shy of 20 home runs, you know, he's, he's had a fantastic year. He, he, you know, hit six or seven for us last year and did a nice job in our, in our run last year, but he just really stepped up this year from, you know, just his, his consistency and his ability to make a, a adjustments in the batter's box throughout the year. As you guys know, it's a grind to college baseball seasons a lot longer than any of these kids have ever played before. And there's adjustments that need to be made throughout the season. And he's made those adjustments. He's had, some really great streaks and and then has stepped back and made some adjustments and progressed on. And then, you know, the other thing is I think he's he's uh, learned to play really, really outstanding third base. And, and that's important, you know, uh, not having the experience of playing there. Last year he played a lot of first base and taking over for his brother this year at third base. He He's done a terrific job. He's wire to wire. He's been right in the middle of the order for us, uh, really delivering not only home runs, but big hits for us. Uh, Brian, what's the one character? I mean, you mentioned the success you guys have had in postseason, and it has been terrific, including the title and the runs to the World Series in Omaha. And, but what's the one commodity that you have to have this time of year? Is it patience? Is it defense? Is there, is there any one thing that just you know for a fact if you have it, you got your, a real chance? Well, you're, you're, that's a great question. Your starting pitching's got to give you a chance in the first half of the game, 
right? It's, and it's not saying that you can't battle back and win games. We've had we've had many of those, and a lot of teams do that. But that said, if you want to consistently give your team a chance to win this time of the year, mm. you know that starter needs to go out there and give you a chance to win the, win in the first five or six innings. That, that that that's crucial. And so quality of those starts is is important. And uh, you, you know you do that. I like our offensive ball club. I like our defensive club. You know we we do that. We're going to consistently have a chance to win. And and then then I would say, you know, in all those games, all these postseason games, it's 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 just the big moments, right? Do you have individual players rise up and get the big hit or make make the big pitch or play? I, I reflect back and in all of our five runs to Omaha and then success in Omaha, it's, it's been that one hit. It's been that, that big pitch or that big play that a lot of times separates teams at this time of the year. So, you know, you look for those kind of players, those kind of players that, that um, can, can highlight and, and be rise to, rise to the occasion in those big, big moments. Hmm. Well, Coach, last year in your run, you mentioned it was all hands on deck on the pitching staff in the regional, including some hands that maybe were on the fringes of the pitching staff with Devin Ortiz and his performance against DBU, or excuse me, against against Old Dominion. Uh, is there anybody on the fringes this year that we might get on the mound? Have any guys been mm. lobbying for that, mm. for that Devin Ortiz spot to get in there? Oh, Rowdy, <laughs> you're trying to get that side information, huh? You know, uh, I, I, you know, there's. Certainly, there's guys that uh, have done some good things this year that I believe have the talent and skill to uh, to maybe rise up in these in these situations, depending on the scenario you're in, right? And so, um, Ortiz is actually a guy that hasn't pitched in the last six weeks, but threw in a scrimmage of ours the other day. Uh, you know, he'll be available this weekend. You know, you got a, a pitcher like Matt Wyatt that um, was terrific for us last year in the stretch run. He's got incredible talent. He was slowed for the first 60% and 70% of the year. He's back and has been pitching really well for us over the last three or four weeks. So, you know, there's a couple of those guys and others that, depending on the situation you're in, that um, you believe that they have it inside them to, to rise up at this important time. There you go. Uh, all right, before we let you go, Packers started this just after the calendar turned, and somehow or another, I thought we had yours, but we don't. Um, Mark started asking coaches in this league. Now, you can get concerned here because this is a tough question. I mean, this is really hard. <laughs> Packer wants to know. See, you're already shaking your head. Packer it's, wants to know, and since he's in Italy and unavailable to ask this question, I've been tasked with asking. If you had a walk-up song, Brian O'Connor, what would it be? Well, I, I will tell you, he asked me that the last time I was on. Okay, and um, see, I, don't know exactly. I thought he had. He, he did, and I don't know exactly which one it would be, but it would be it would be a George Strait song. I'm a huge George Strait fan, and uh, so it would be one of his many, many. Uh, great hits. I, I I couldn't tell you which one because I love too many of them, but certainly it would be well, a George Strait song. Let me. I'll tell you what it would be this time of year. It'd be Run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a George Strait song or two. I'm, I'm a George Strait guy. Roddy will attest. 
When Roddy gets in the car with right, me during football test. season, Brian, he's getting country music. He knows it. Yeah. It's George Street all yeah. the time. There you go. Hey, have a uh, good luck. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Go A's. Go you ACC. Bet. Appreciate Brian. it, Coach. Good luck. You betcha. Yeah. Brian O'Connor, head baseball coach of Virginia. Appreciate his time on our program here today. Uh, Danny Hall and Link Jarrett still to come in the 9 o'clock hour of this edition of Packer and Durham. And when we come back, we will dive into uh, a regional or two, including the one in Knoxville, which features the nation's number one overall seed, the Tennessee Volunteers. Tony Vitello's team is terrific. It's Georgia Tech's task to go up there and out-hit them and bump into some pitching along the way against the balls. Can they do it? We'll talk about it next. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. By the way, the former Georgia Tech closer, Andy Mitchell, used to come out of the bullpen to the uh, George Strait song, Fireman. How about that? Did he really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, how about that? Didn't know that. Uh, I, here we go. Uh, the Jackets' task, Roddy, is, I mean, you can say what you want about Tennessee, but the two stats about the Vols, they lead the nation in home runs and they lead the nation in ERA, and after that, I really don't need to know anything else, you know? Well, I'll, I'll throw in one more just to, to pile on there. They're top 10 in the nation in defense as well. So there you go. Uh, other than that, they're 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 very beatable. Um, just ask Kentucky, the only team to beat them in a series this year. They they've been fantastic. They've got three incredible starting pitchers uh, that make it tough on everybody. They've got depth in the bullpen. Their lineup is as fearsome as any in the country. Uh, that's not to say they can't be beat. It's happened seven times this year that they have been beaten. But when you talk about going through Tennessee and then Campbell, I mean, Campbell's got a first round, likely a first round uh, a pitcher in Thomas Harrington that Georgia Tech was going to see tomorrow. You've got Zach Neto, who's the likely first-round pick. They had a guy named Ty Cummings absolutely be fantastic for them on Sunday, or excuse me, on Saturday in the Big South Championship. Campbell's really good, too. It's a very offensive yeah. regional. Three teams in the top <clears throat> ten in the country in home runs. Well, and Georgia Tech's one of those, right? Because Kevin Parada yeah. was one of the leaders for most of the season, not only in the ACC, but one of the national home run leaders. So the real question for Danny Hall, and we'll talk to him a little bit about this at 9.15, has been the pitching. In particular, pitching late, Roddy, where that's been the voodoo a little bit of, uh, of Georgia Tech's downfall. Yeah, and, and look, you, you mentioned pitching late. It's, it's kind of been throughout the inconsistency. Uh, I mean, you, you, they've had a couple of trusted arms in that bullpen. Dawson Brown's been pretty good for him in spots. Zach Maxwell closing has actually been really good for the majority of the season. Yeah. I think the, the the starting pitching is really the key for Georgia Tech because you can't tax that bullpen too much just because of the inconsistency. So it's going to be up to Marquise Grissom Jr., who's been fantastic recently to be good. It's going to be up to a guy like John Medich to give you some distance. You don't have to go seven, but if you can get four or five, uh, then I think it would really help. And then whoever else they decide to throw out there, whether it be uh, Chance Huff or, or one of the other guys. So so I think, you know, it's really the entirety of that pitching staff because as good as they've been offensively, they have been extremely inconsistent on the mound. And then, honestly, it's been one of the poorer fielding teams 
um, as well. Mm. So, so defense and pitching uh, are the two things that Georgia Tech just needs to be pretty good in order to really make some noise in this regional because they can hit with anybody. Georgia Tech hasn't played Tennessee since uh, 2006. They've got a 4-0 uh, re- uh, series record against Campbell. Last played in 03. Last played Alabama State, who is also in the regional in uh, in 2008. Uh, let's go to Statesboro. We've joked about the uh, – and we'll talk to Link Jarrett here at 930 about the, the uh, limited availability of hotels. But the one thing we do know is uh, – Georgia Southern is 40 and 18 and Notre Dame comes in there 35 and 14 and they'll have to play Texas Tech out of the Big 12. Uh, Second consecutive year though that Link Jarrett's put the Irish in the postseason here. And this is probably the most competitive regional out of all of them because you've got Georgia Southern who was 23 and 7 in the Sun Belt uh, and they play Mm -hmm. being in Georgia. They play Georgia. They played Georgia Tech, so they're not going to be afraid of anybody coming in. You've got Notre Dame, who should have been a host, to be completely honest. And Notre Dame feels like they should have been a host. Um, they come in. They're one of the most balanced teams in the country. They get overlooked in the ACC because they are. They don't have the, the flashy prospects. They don't have the, the flashy offense. But they're one of the best offenses in the league. They're one of the best pitching staffs in the league, and they're one of the best defenses. Then you got Texas Tech, who is just really confusing this year. It's a team that's got host-level talent. Jace Jung is one of the best players in the country. Um, but they've mm-hmm. played disinterested at times this year. And then UNC Greensboro is just 19-5 and in the last 24 games. So uh, it is going to be a fascinating regional. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. Um, it should be one of the more competitive ones. Yep, I agree with you on that. So we're looking forward to talking to Danny Hall of Georgia Tech and Link Jarrett coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And when we come back in today's Power Hour, the athletic director's uh, transaction wire heated up in the ACC in the last 48 hours. Uh, BC has filled their spot officially, and reports are out that Louisville is also locking down their interim as their new full-time AD. We'll touch on that more with Roddy Jones. It's Packer and Durham on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.